episode 8 of Delusions of Grandeur. I'm Lady Naomi and this is... Chrissy Marie! Hey, Chrissy Marie, <laughs> how's your week been? Pretty good, actually, yeah. Oh, excellent, Yeah, excellent. not bad at all. So, uh, well, you've got a new toy there. We need to, we need to talk about the sound quality. <laughs> yeah, anyone who is listening at home, if you're like, wow, they sound amazing, we know. Um, but yeah, we've... <laughs> like, I would think more amazing. <laughs> more amazing, that's right. We've got pop filters. We do. They're we... like Pop-Tarts, except you don't put them in the toaster and eat them. <laughs> Unfortunately, I love Pop-Tarts. Um, but yeah, the old pop filter is pretty impressive, actually. It's, it's a little bit of technology we've added to our arsenal. And so let us know if, if you have noticed a massive change in our sound quality. Give us a thumbs up on our socials. Yeah, yeah. We've got plenty of socials. Let's go through them now. So we've got, uh, we've got a Facebook. We've got an Instagram. We do. So we are Delusions of Grandeur podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And you are at your individual blog, which is delusions of no optical delusions. Yeah, right. <laughs> Too many delusions, we, man. Uh, we're delusional, obviously. Uh, yeah, my my pod's optical delusion. Yep. But uh, it's not been getting much of a workout lately. I need to get back to that. Get on to it, love. Yeah, get amongst it. And and your your blog, your blog as well. Your, my yeah, mine's been a bit trudged too. Um, so that's Miss Chrissy Marie. But uh, yeah, it's just. Not enough hours in the day to I do know. all the stuff. I know. So if you don't get enough of us talking about nothing here, <laughs> log on and listen to us or read about us doing nothing on other social media channels. <laughs> We're very amusing in our own individual ways. We are. We are. Yeah. I am still absolutely astounded at how many views my blog gets from Trinidad. I can't even say it. From Trinidad. I can't even say it. From Trinidad and Tobago. From Trinidad. And Tobago. Can you edit that out, please? Yeah, yep. Let's shout out to all of our... (laughs) How many views my... I'm just... I'm absolutely astounded at how many views my blog gets from Trinidad and Tobago. What the... Hello, everybody. Hopefully they're listening to us from... in that case, hi. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, that's not why we're here. What are we talking about? This is episode eight. So what are we talking about tonight, Miss Chrissy Marie? It is. So this is kind of, um, it's on the back of a, a, something that you'd said in your introduction. So tonight we're talking about roles and identity and expectations. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Roles. Which I think is really curious, you know, because mm. we, we're, both, we're both women. We're both um, women of the world. That's right. But we have vastly different experiences and I think we have very different identities and, and we've walked a very different path in terms of our life and and what people have, the little boxes that we've been put in and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Mm, okay. Well, I think I think this all came up because I'd done a, uh, a group chat mm. for one of the big four banks. And all of the people who were there were asked to describe themselves. Mm. And so I was one of six women. And the other five all described themselves and I may have mentioned this before, <laughs> by the jewellery they had on their left hand and by how many little people they'd squeezed out of their vaginas. <laughs> yes. And I don't describe myself that way. No. So I may well describe myself as a creative or as a lover or as a friend or as uh, a public servant, but I certainly don't identify myself by my jewellery. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really weird. It was a really interesting thing to be doing. Uh, and of course, 
one of the big four banks paid me for my opinion. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Do you think that as a as a woman who's who's not got the left hand jewelry and not squeezed anything out of your, your hoo ha, uh, that the word <laughs> hoo ha. Okay. Do do you think that you're treated differently in society, or do you think that people expect different or more or less of you because? You... Oh, certainly. I mean, on my death certificate, it will read spinster, <laughs> as opposed to she led a fantastic full life. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be that they'll, that won't be on the death certificate, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll mention that ahead of you being a spinster. I understand that that's relevant for someone doing family history, but I just think it's not necessarily a polite term. I think it's a really outdated term to and borderline offensive. Uh, yeah, possibly, possibly, yeah. but I don't think you can say um, had a great life because there are some spinsters who may not have had a great life. Yeah. So, yes, they're, they're, perhaps they just need to update their generic term for someone who's chosen never to uh, put a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> no one liked it, so they didn't put a ring on it. <laughs> well, I, plenty of people liked it. They just didn't put I a ring on it. I chose not to have the ring. Uh, yeah, so it's, it is an interesting construct in today's mm. society. Absolutely. Well, my experience has been different, I guess, in that by by my personality type again people will be shocked um i don't do things by halves and Mm -hmm. so like when so i was oh 19 i must have just been it was actually a week after my 20th birthday that i found out that i was pregnant with my my first child and it was, you know, we'd been in a committed relationship and the, the you know, engagement was on lay-by and that kind of thing. So it was all part of, you know, a bigger thing. But uh, I, it wasn't planned. And so I went into this mode of, well, if I'm going to be a mum, I'm going to be the best damn mum in the world. And so I kind of drew on all of the stereotypical and the societal norms in terms of what a mum is. Um, and, yeah, that was... It was almost like this this characteristic kind of version of what I thought a good mum and a good wife was. And it wasn't until probably six years, seven years after that, that I was uh, studying at uni. I was studying to be a teacher. And so I had to do this sociology subject. And one of the assignments was about women and their identities and roles in society. And I still remember my, as like Oprah would call it, my light bulb moment where it was like a 40 degree day and I I had the kids in the car and they were little tykes at at this point in time. And we were watching my then husband play cricket and nobody's having fun watching cricket. Like, let's just put that out there. Like, cricket is not a spectator sport. Some people do enjoy it. <laughs> Some people. Yeah, no, not on a 40-degree day, not with these kids in the car. But I was trying to make the most of it and reading this this textbook that I had – I'd actually searched eBay to be able to find it to, to readers because it was one of the references for, for this particular assignment. And it was called The Sacrificial Mother. And I was reading this book and it was sort of talking about the – uh, sacrifices that a mother makes and typically uh, you know say there's a the analogy that they used was a pickle jar and that there was one pickle left and typically a mother would then just carve that pickle up and, and disperse it amongst her children no mother is 
willing or wanting to have the last pickle themselves out of the jar. I thought that was a really interesting type of example. And and it just hit me and I, I was bawling my eyes out in the car reading this cricket book. Cricket does that to me. I don't, <laughs> it wasn't just the cricket. But, <laughs> but I think that I had been the one. It wasn't it definitely wasn't my husband. It definitely wasn't my family who would place those expectations on me. But I had sought to become this perfect image of the good wife and the good mother. And and as a result, I had completely foregone who I was or what I enjoyed doing and and that kind of thing. And that's where photography and, and you know, we've spoken about how we met through photography. But it was the, the start of me actually having my own hobby (laughs) or having something that I enjoyed doing myself and being able to carve out a bit of an identity in that I was a person who liked taking photos so Mm. that's why it's it's got both a really sentimental place in my life but why it was so important to me at that time as well it's fair to say for those people who don't know Chrissy Marie she's a bit of a perfectionist (laughs) I'm enthusiastic (laughs) that's an understatement Whatever she turns her hand to, she achieves. And with photography, it wasn't just, oh, pick up a camera. It was pick up a camera, do an exhibition, um, sell art. You know, she's she's really good uh, at fulfilling a role, whatever the role is, yeah. to the absolute nth degree. Yeah, I don't, I don't half-ass anything. No, you don't. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. You don't half-ass anything. So where do you stand now on your identity because if we look at it in a uh, logical term your death certificate assuming you haven't killed off Mr Chrissy Murray <laughs> will say uh, widow or widower yeah um, or married depending mm-hmm. on whether he's breathing or not <laughs> but won't show you as a multiple married person no no and- so it's either you're married once or 40 times or you're not married at all in death yeah, which is a really strange way of looking at it, really. I, yeah, yeah. The idea of, of marrying multiple, multiple times doesn't thrill me. Don't get me wrong. Oh, uh, well, you've been down that road. <laughs> that's right. Do not, uh, yeah, do not want to go down that, that again. And, and extraordinarily happy with, with my current husband, which is amazing. Oh, he is lovely. He, he goes all right. He, he's, a, he's a keeper. <laughs> that's right. He's what they call a keeper. Oh, no, he doesn't play cricket. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible, that was a, and I apologise for the cricket a pun. Joke. I know, <laughs> I should know better. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that there was that moment in my life when I was um, I was divorced, and that was sort of how I was identified by the government. And even when we went to remarry, there was almost this sense of solidarity with my my then to be husband in that we were both divorced, and so it felt like we were sort of coming in from a an even playing field. Playing field, yeah. It'd be a, a cricket field. Oh, no. Which is having a enough of the cricket analogies tonight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, but I, I really do feel like I've had a couple of different lives. When I reflect on my life, I almost feel like I've had three really distinct lives. It, it feels like I've almost had had death and rebirth a couple of, of times in my life. Oh, wow. Uh, which is, uh, I think, a real testament to being surrounded by some really great people, such as yourself, uh, to, be, to be able to really 
see that and see that spark in me and see the potential in me and give me the safety to be actually be able to be me instead of what I felt had always been this manufactured kind of construct that I, I felt I had to be or this this role or this identity that I had to fulfill in a group. Uh, it's Yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've had the blessing to be able to hang out with some really great people and, you know, some have gone, some have stayed, um, that kind of thing. But really that that safety in terms of let your freak flag fly and just be just be you because that's enough and that's okay and you don't need to be Martha Stewart or you know you don't need to... Gail. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> well, yeah let me pose this question to you when you were in high school and mm-hmm. our schooling was very different yep uh, what was the person or rather who was the person you thought you would be where did you see yourself where did you see your role in society oh I was really sort of my first thing I was going to be a flight attendant and I was going to be you know really polished and you know this global citizen where I just lived out of a suitcase and I would travel and so that was kind of the first one and then just briefly before I found out that I was pregnant with my first child I was all set to pursue a, a, a studying option uh, for law because I saw myself as this high-powered lawyer I didn't know what kind of law I wanted to study I just wanted to argue the toss and I think it's oh, yeah. probably a fair bit of rage in there probably yeah. still a bit teen angsty to be honest I just wanted to fight with people but um, with words and so you as a person have evolved over time. I like to think so. Yeah, just a bit. There's <laughs> been a few different incantations of you. Um, so now you're a high flyer with the government. Mm, and I wouldn't say high flyer, but, but okay, yes. Yeah, no, it's, you are. You have to, we have to be honest about this. You're a high flyer with the government. But what are you doing outside how does that relate to your identity how do you how do you see yourself now well I guess for the first oh probably seven years of of my current career my job really defined me so I was really about the the role and being able to climb through the ranks and my my grade and my title and and that kind of thing really was tied to my identity and my success was determined by that but I think during COVID and just through life experiences and that kind of thing I really come to the realization but also it was just this sense of calm to kind of go I am bigger than this I'm bigger than a role title I'm bigger than and that sounds really saying it out loud seems really arrogant (laughs) and it's not meant to be (laughs) it's meant to just be this I'm, I'm not defined by my job. I'm not defined by the number of children I have or the you know, number of times I've been married or where I live or, or that kind of thing. I, I kind of enjoy this real fluidity in terms of sometimes I'm like really, I like to be pretty highbrow. I like to get really dressed up and love to go to, you know, We've been to quite a few galleries and exhibitions, like and gallery, yeah. I, I really like that kind of aspect of of my life, where I get to, I don't know, 
rub shoulders with accomplished people or, or, you know, hang out with the cool kids and that kind of thing. And and those people generally have taken a different role in life. They've followed that creative bent to its nth degree. Yep, yep. But then other times I like to get done up in my quirkiest clothes and just walk around and, and, you know, we've done this as well, take photos and just be a bit of a tourist in our own city and, and that kind of thing. So I feel like I am no longer bound by, like I don't have to be one thing. I don't have to have one style of dressing or one way of doing my hair or that kind of thing. Hmm. And that's, there, there's a, a really great lady, Emily, I'm going to completely murder her surname. I think it's Wapniki. She talks about multi-potentialites and how historically everybody's had one career and you have to stick to that one thing. Whereas these multi-potentialites, they, they have a multitude of different skills and they, they're the ones that sort of flip between really different types of jobs because they have diverse interests, diverse talents, and they can sort of turn their hand to that. And I really like that sense of, again, fluidity and, and agility in terms of being able to just turn and go you know what I, I don't want to do that anymore I want to do this over here and just up and changing changing your life I think historically that's that's a very good way of defining it so mm. to look at it from my perspective uh, I went to a girls school and we didn't have an expectation of a career we were oh. and so like there's there's quite a few years well there's 20 years between you and I yeah. So our expectation or my expectation at school was uh, we were taught to sew and cook, uh, neither of which I do incredibly well. <laughs> but I do recall my father coming to the school for an open day and putting it on the um, principal and saying, why, why is the boys' school, which was like 250 metres up the road, why are they allowed to do tech drawing and my daughter isn't? Good. And the principal didn't have a response to that. <laughs> Funny that. Um, so, yeah, I my electives were um, history or geography, um, Latin or French, sewing or cooking. And that was pretty much it. There wasn't really anything designed for a career path other than a housewife or nursing. And that's not to say everyone at my school in my year... Um, followed those same roads. There were some very people who were much smarter than me who've had fantastic careers because they took what they could get and then went on with it. Where with me, it was like I just got out the door as quick as I could. <laughs> I really didn't enjoy it. Uh, but that's a whole other saga. But yeah, so it's 20 years difference and we weren't offered tech drawing. It's pretty, pretty sad and scary and yeah because I don't consider tech drawing to be a particularly masculine kind of no, thing no. like it's, it's a pretty all-round sort of skill that one would hope to attain and I do recall because it was in a public forum that dad brought this up mm. and I remember him saying well why can't my daughter go up to the school up the road because the answer was well we don't offer tech drawing here well why can't my daughter go to the school up the road yeah to learn tech drawing and it was well no that's the boys school <laughs> and at that stage the girls' school and the boys' school actually finished at different times of the day, so we weren't on the same train platform at the same time. Heaven forbid. I know. <laughs> so be it. Yeah. 
Good on your dad, though, for being able to, to stick up and say, hey, what's what's this about? Didn't get him anywhere. Didn't no. get any of us anywhere, but at least he had his say. And we had um, all female teachers until my very last year in school where we got a male student teacher. Oh. And the concern was that, you know, um, we couldn't really have a male student teacher at the school in case, you know. And, of course, within weeks he had hooked up with one of the students and they're still married today. But that's not the point. A modern day love story. Oh, totally. Ooh, yep. Totally. I mean, but school was, our school was a bit different. Like we weren't allowed to, to play with the javelins anymore after someone got stabbed and, you know. <laughs> Well, it was funny because my high school only changed to be co-ed when my brother was there. I think, And he's older than you. He is. I think he's yeah. maybe two years at school older than me. He's only sort of 13 months in age, but I think he's two school years ahead of me. But when he started in year seven, it was an all-boys school. But then by the time I started, it was co-ed. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that the schooling somehow shaped who you were or there was the the hope that that would shape who you were going to an all-girls school or going to was it a a private school or was it no no it was a public school public school yeah uh i went to that school because it was across the road from the house where i lived (laughs) excellent good choice so i didn't i was never put in the position where i was anywhere near the train station at the same time the boys were (laughs) oh phew (laughs) lucky that but it, it did evolve um, not long after I left and there were better subjects offered, but mm. I could never understand why I would need Latin. And realistically, the only thing I can remember is how to sing Popeye the Sailor Man in Latin. <laughs> in Latin. That's a life skill right there. Is it? Yeah. And yeah. the Peloponnesian Wars. I don't know why I needed to learn about them, but I couldn't learn about Australian history. Yeah. But I think it was a sign of the time. So we're talking, I started high school in the... Uh, early 70s mm. and uh, was gone as quickly as I could afterwards. <laughs> but I did, from there, I did put myself through TAFE and then university uh, at different stages of my life to learn different skills that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. But I've always had that creative bent was more important. Yeah. So I moved from Sydney to the regions, Sydney, Australia, Australia to the regions in the late 80s. And then it was put to me, if you transfer here in a government job, you will never be promoted. Is that okay? And it was, yeah, it is okay because I only go to work to earn enough income to do what I want. I've never had the interest in climbing the corporate ladder. Mm. Which I, in, the, in the 80s, that's a really confronting type of <laughs> ideal because during that time, most people were, you know, it was high interest rates and it was the world was a different place where it was almost that greed is good type of mentality so to be having that approach then that some people are only just coming to that realization now I think you're ahead of your time you're a trailblazer ahead of my time (laughs) absolutely it but that was always it work was always just a means to an end yeah and and has served me well Mm -hmm. I've had a great career but it's primarily served me well because it's provided me with um, good people around me and a lot of free time to do what I enjoy. But I don't know that it served everyone as well as it has served me. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. And your your role in society, how do you feel about who you are, what you contribute to 
to the community and like do you think that that is is different or if your life would have been different if you had have made different choices along the way do you think you ever would have gotten married do you think that you ever would have gone oh, down that path i i have been uh proposed to a number of times but i never saw that as an important part of my life yep uh, I oh was... i jumped at the opportunity every time i got proposed to, i was like <laughs> yes <laughs> I was 16 when uh, someone said to my father, uh, it was actually my 16th birthday, and he said, I'd like to ask for Naomi's hand in marriage. And my father, cluey man, said, she's old enough to make her own decisions. And my decision was, you've got to be joking. (laughs) I was 16. That's right, you're a baby. I have had absolute, and anyway... (laughs) Um, so, yeah, a couple more times as life rolled on, but it was never some person that I wanted to be with at that point of time. They were good people and people I really cared about and still care about today, mm-hmm. but I just never saw a lifelong bond with them. I didn't see that that was relevant to me yep. and what I wanted from life. And it was, seriously, it was all about me. It is. And um, I think that's that's the really wonderful thing is you knew that from the get-go, whereas it took me a divorce and a couple of kids and a whole <laughs> lot of heartbreak and, and debt and all the rest to figure that stuff out. Oh, so, no, I've had the debt. <laughs> I don't know that I've had the heartbreak. I think I've always been in that leading role. Okay. But having said that, um, it does affect things like superannuation differently so um here's a horror story Uh, a woman i worked with uh, became terminally ill she was divorced and because of the fund she was in what money was not in her account at her date of death remained with the superannuation company that's outrageous and so a couple of days before she died uh, her family and her colleagues became aware of this and um, a man stumped up and went, let's get married so your children get what they deserve. But there was insufficient time between the proposal and her death to actually do any paperwork. Oh, wow. And so that is just wrong. But fortunately, super funds aren't like that today. Mm. Um, there are still super funds that they, when you die, your anything left in your body of money goes to the fund yeah but smart people aren't doing that smart people aren't investing in those types of funds anymore yeah and i think that that speaks to the those expectations and the roles and everything the fact that we're in 2022 now and 2022 2022 it sounds weird to say but that that you would be precluded from having your benefits paid out because you don't have a spouse yeah because you don't have a bit of gold hanging off one finger (laughs) i don't understand it outrageous unfortunately that's the way it occurred i believe that that particular fund made a token payment to the children nothing like what they deserved Mm, but going back that would probably be 15 years ago now yeah um and horrendous time for that of course but again i think that speaks to that that overall message as far as like getting your shit together i think we spoke about that on on one of the earlier episodes about just getting your shit together don't don't rely on anyone no an an example 
how it has historically changed. My mother worked for the post office uh, when she was engaged and she had to leave when she got married because they did not employ married women. <laughs> Who were kind of those married folk here? Oh, yeah. Like something obviously happens when you get married and you can no longer function as an employee. Wow. Uh, but certainly that has evolved and a lot of things have changed mm. as far as working conditions go for women. But Thank I think God. things can still change, particularly in education. Yep. Hmm. Absolutely. Even down to you, you look at the COVID situation and, and that kind of thing that we're still sort of bobbing our way through. Ugh, and aren't we? I think it's been a good opportunity to sort of start that conversation around sharing the load in terms of who monitors the children while they're at home or who's responsible for the homeschooling and the supervision. So when you've got everybody working from home, it's no longer always just falling on mum to be that that figure because mums can work as well and so it's that that balance and typically and and historically it's been the mum that's had to do the juggling act of I'm a, I'm a mum between these hours and I'm a, a worker between these hours and and that kind of thing whereas it's really been able to bring the the dads and fathers and husbands into that equation as well and and have them enjoy that experience instead of having to kind of be off to the side a little bit. And hopefully that's something that will roll on Mm. when when we are no longer in a COVID world. Exactly. But I can't understand where some people, and yourself is an example, how you work full-time and are a parent to 2.5 children (laughs) and have a life and be creative and have time for exercise and have time for artistic interests. Oh, it's easy. I don't have a life. <laughs> that's, oh. that's, that's the big bit that I don't you, have to worry you do, about. You do. I mean, you're here now and we're doing this. But I just, like, I struggle some days to go, oh, I haven't got time to do the washing yeah. because I'm too busy reading something or creating something or I just don't know how you do it. I just, I just seriously don't know how you do it. I think I'm just organised or I try to because everything is so important to me and it's that all or nothing type mentality. Like even with the podcast, it's like, great, we're doing a podcast. So it's it's kind of all consuming as far as I, we, we allocate our time and then I allocate the time to edit and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's fair to let our listeners know I do nothing except chat. You, you bring some quality content to the we, table. <laughs> we meet every Wednesday evening and while Chrissy Marie is setting up the equipment, checking the levels are right, teaching me how to put my new popper screen on, I set up one microphone tripod and pretty much sit back. Oh, I get a drink. Okay. And I have to keep my bubbly drink away from the microphone because you don't want to hear it bubbling. It makes lots of fizzy sounds yeah. and we don't like it. Yeah. Uh, so she is the brains of this outfit. Let me assure you, I'm just here for the ride. No, but and, and I think that's really important, the fact that you have come with me on this journey because I don't think that people would want to hear just me shooting the breeze and so I I like the idea that we could integrate our normal regular catch-up into something that we share with more people and we get to have our catch-up with others. I think it was actually me that said let's do a podcast because you were agonizing over having nothing to study (laughs) and I I knew you'd wanted to do this for some time. I'm Mm. amazed at how much we've both learned about recording and equipment and and it just astounds me that you can 
edit all this. She doesn't do much editing. We don't need much polish. We're pretty damn good, <laughs> says I. Oh, you're flawless, darling. You're oh, flawless. flawless. <laughs> Pig's ass. But, yeah, it in itself has been an interesting learning curve, whereas um, going back to the late 80s, early 90s, there was a presenter on Newcastle Television who had to have a career change because she became, well, they didn't use this term, but she was too old. She was too old to be seen on the evening news. It didn't matter that she was an interesting, articulate, intelligent woman. She just didn't fit the image anymore. Mm -hmm. And that makes me wonder, as we've recently lost a male newsreader, why did we lose a male newsreader? Was it for the same reasons? Yeah. I don't know. But it was always okay to have a grey-haired man on television talking uh, authoritative. Authorita- but it was always okay to have a grey-haired man speak with authority on the news or on television in general. But it wasn't okay to have an older woman in that same role in the 80s. But that too has progressed. We are a work in progress. Things yeah. are changing for women. Yeah. But I still don't think it's the perfect world. My world's perfect. I'm really <laughs> happy perfect. in my skin. Good. And I'm really happy with my life. But I don't know that everyone else is at that same place as I'm lucky enough to be. Yeah. And I think that there are there's obviously a, a plethora of reasons for that. And we definitely acknowledge that we come into this conversation from a place of privilege and, you know, we, we really are quite fortunate but I I feel like there is a, a lot that you kind of you grab the bull by the horns as well you haven't let life happen to you you've kind of been steering your ship as well which has allowed you to get to to the destination that you're at today the Costa Concordia isn't it isn't that the, the tipped over <laughs> yeah <laughs> no you're right you're right I um I, I am very happy with my existence, but I've got to say that education, mm. whether it be self-driven through the University of YouTube, yeah, or whether it be through library and book learning, or whether it's through something more formal like TAFE or university, is the key. Find what you love and learn everything about it. That's it. And get curious about life in general, you know, because 12 months ago when we had this harebrained scheme that we would start doing a podcast... We had no idea about any of this stuff. None at all. And, and hasn't it all just fallen into place? It has. It has. Even with the, the equipment. Mm. The way the equipment came to us was just, I don't know, it, it's just, we're just so lucky. Yep. But I think you can if you are a young woman or a young man and you're not happy in your current situation, start looking at education as a key yep. to change. That's it. Yeah, I love that. And it may not be it may not be through formal education because not everyone can afford hex. <laughs> hex is horrendous. Yeah. But there's some really great free alternatives. There's great communities of learning and YouTube is a really great place to get some fantastic information. But also Bowerbird it. Use a range of resources. Don't just go to one one site or pay one course a gazillion dollars to learn something really use the, the resources that the internet has. And and again, I think the, the biggest message that I think out of this particular episode is that you can either 
you can definitely fall into the the norms or fall into the the molds that that maybe society or your family or yourself has of yourself but you can also break free of that as well and and establish new norms and set a new trajectory for yourself and your life and break free of those expectations of other people it's really your your journey and your course and and it's up to you well we've had this discussion about you only get one crack at it you do don't waste it no don't take, waste it. Take life by the by the balls and fucking do it. Oh, isn't that a bit? It's very aggressive, actually. <laughs> I was thinking it was a bit sexist. You know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a reflection. I'm grabbing life by the balls. <laughs> but no, use what resources you've got, mm. and if that means going to the local library, and I know libraries have that image of old school, boring books. Oh my god, the resources there. If you want to learn how to use a 3D printer, go to a library. Go to your local library because they probably have one you can use for free. If you're interested in family history research, go to your local library because they have a heap of resources you can use for free. There's a theme there. Hook in to what you can afford. Yep. And if you're not sure, go and try a heap of free stuff first. Exactly. And know that you don't have to pay for, always have to pay for an education. There's plenty of stuff you can figure out yourself or you can get for, for a much lower cost. You need to play, you need to pay for, fo- you need to pay for formal education. Yeah. And there are times when you do need that piece of paper for five minutes in an interview. Yeah. But there's a heap more out there and that will define you more than that piece of paper ever will. I like that. I think that's a really nice note for us to, to wrap this up and right on into the sunset with all right well let's wrap this up and and uh let's talk about what's happening next on delusions of grandeur <laughs> lady naomi i don't know why i go into that voice every you, time you I have say, that voice. i do <laughs> whatever floats your boat man so what's next what are we talking about next time next time we are actually talking about our favorite songs and our favorite music Doof, doof, doof. Yeah. Doof, doof, doof. <laughs> this is a, a blank check for you to speak freely about doof, doof. Oh my goodness, I don't know where to start. <laughs> the next one might be a longer episode. Just, oh. <laughs> you just put it on the loop. <laughs> sure, sure. Let's do that. All right, well, uh, I've been Lady Naomi. And I'm still Chrissy Marie. <laughs> Nothing's changed. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.